Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Between the Stitches, baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. My name is Ryan, and guess what? We're going to have another Ryan on the show today. His name is Ryan Cohen. For those of you who don't know who he is, we'll get into all the details about who Ryan Cohen is as a person, as a fan, as a baseball contributor to the society that is the baseball realm of fans and creators and influencers, whatever you want to call Ryan. I don't know what he'd even call himself, but one thing's for sure, he's a Padres fan. And for those of you who take in our content, listen to our podcasts, follow us, you know I am a Padres fan. My name is Ryan. I mean, so we couldn't have more in common. This kid is Ryan. He's a Padres fan for life. I'm Ryan. I'm a Padres fan for life. And this is Between the Stitches, a baseball-only show. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this episode, number 28 of Between the Stitches. We'll get into all things baseball with Ryan Cohen today on Between the Stitches. So let's get into it. Welcome to Between the Stitches, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. Two former college teammates talking about what they know best, baseball. here and live and recording episode 28 of between the stitches with padres super fan local legend um i don't know what else he would use to describe himself with but ryan cohen is here joining me on episode 28 of between the stitches ryan how are you how do you feel what's going through your mind uh as a Padres fan in the year 2023. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, you know, January is a little tough. I start to get, I start to itch for spring training and opening day and everything, but we're through the holidays. So I'm just getting excited. I, I've been doodling lineups, um, righty lefty lineups, where I want Xander, where I want Tatis, all of it. So I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. And, you know, I just want to get through January at this point. Yeah. Definitely. So, um, like I said in the uh, in the intro, I didn't know. I mean, I don't know what you call yourself besides Ryan as a as a Padres. I mean, would super fan be the right assessment for you uh, and and your relationship with the Padres? You know, that's the one I probably hear the most often. I personally think of myself as a Padres fan, like everyone else. I don't think I'm any more special than any other Padres fan, but. I, I just call myself a diehard fan. I mean, I love the Padres. Sure. That's not, I'm not lying about that. That is very real. And whatever people want to describe that passion, I, I just take it and let it run. Sure. I mean, the reason I think for me, super fan comes up in my first thoughts or descriptions of you is the first piece I wanted to touch on about how you as many others probably are, you're a frequent at Petco Park. You watch a lot of Padres baseball. You love the team. But something happened. I don't know if there was one particular moment or if it was a few years ago and it caught on or what the impetus was of your 
more frequent appearances on the big screen at Petco Park and the dancing and the enthusiasm. And so when I see that, you know, type of enthusiasm, super fan is one of the first words that comes to mind. But it started with the Jumbotron and the dancing and the high energy. How did that start for you uh, at Petco? Yeah, I mean, well, when I was in high school and for all the years before that, the Padres weren't very good. And oh, yeah. there weren't that many oh, I know. people in the stands. So it's, you know, I always loved going to a ball game and they weren't that ex- expensive because the team wasn't any good. So I would go with friends and dance around and I'd see myself on the big screen up there and be like, whoa, that's so cool. And then a few people would start to recognize me around the park because I'd been up there and I had really long hair and it was pretty easy to recognize me at that point. And then I, I was, I'd been tweeting since middle school and basically tweeted into a void for four or five <laughs> years with no responses whatsoever. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm dancing a little more. And then a few people on Twitter are like, oh, my God, I saw you last night on the Jumbotron. Sure. You know, and I was in high school. I remember getting recognized for the first time and being like, wow, I think I'm like a superstar now. I've made it, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think if I could show that kid what happens now when I go to the ballpark, it would just, it blows my mind still. And it, it wasn't ever a moment where I go, oh, my gosh, now I'm like the fan. Now I'm the Padres fan. Yeah. I don't feel that way. Um, it just kind of evolved to where. Maybe I got recognized once a season to once a homestand, and now it's you know almost every game I go to, I'm taking photos and smiling with people, and it's always fun meeting Padres fans. There's nothing better, and I think it just stems from yeah, like the dancing is fun and it's kind of goofy, but it just kind of blew up from there, and you know it's only going up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, you know I could definitely attest to that. I don't know exactly our age gap, but um, so I'm I'm about to be 26, but. Yeah, my childhood of Echo Park frequent visits and uh, Padres baseball was exactly what you described. It was, it was uh, not very competitive. It was not very entertaining. Um, there were bits and pieces and players and things like that. But yeah, the, the fun and the entertainment for the most part, I feel like, especially I, I think for you, it was more in that like, um, you know, 2000, maybe 10 to 12 to 14 that gap where it was just so brutal. I mean, if we're being as honest as we can, it was bad baseball and it's not anybody's, you know, fault. It just was the nature of what was going on in the game. And so um, people had to find other ways to entertain themselves. And I think you, uh, <laughs> you maximized that, that sort of area of, of trying to find some way uh, to make the games fun at Petco when we were getting our, our butts kicked by the Dodgers uh, on a nightly basis. But um more specifically uh for you you know we know that and i know that san diego loses a football team right when we were coming up and now it's only baseball in san diego and of course it's the padres but for you specifically why why do you feel like it's baseball and why do you feel like it's the padres that is your source of of passion and maybe you have bigger passions and bigger aspirations and bigger you know things that you love but seems to me like Padres baseball is your is your thing did you play it um you know how frequent was it how big of a role did the Padres play in in your household and things like that that is a question I've been trying to get to the bottom of my whole life (laughs) uh my parents aren't they have become bigger baseball fans as the Padres have gotten good but they certainly weren't baseball fans when I was born and I played Little League like every other kid in my area, and I loved it, but, you know, a lot of kids love playing Little League. I just – I never really cared about any other sport. I would watch the Chargers 
playoff games and like Ladanian Tomlinson and Philip Rivers, but I wasn't a Chargers fan. I just they were the San Diego team. I was a Padres fan, and I always was, and I don't really understand where that started um, or how it got to be such a deep passion. But you're right. I mean, it is there are things I care about, of course. I love friends and family, and there are some other things that I do, but baseball is my biggest hobby, and there there's nothing that comes close to that in terms of pure entertainment and hobby. And the Padres were the local team. They are the only team in town now, and they're good and fun, and Petco Park sells out. And at this point, I don't know how I got here, but at this point, it's like, I'm not leaving now. I mean, this is right, so obvious. Right. This is right where I want to be. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just know, you know, some people, it's, it's um, you know, for me growing up, um, I loved baseball, not like all the reasons you just mentioned. They're the team in town. They're a great, you know, piece of uh, the history of the city and all those different things. But even when they weren't good, you know, I played baseball. So it it wasn't, you know, but even other kids, people in San Diego, I know plenty of people, plenty of my friends, they never really played baseball growing up. They, you know, weren't very good at it, but they still love the Padres and love baseball. And so I was just curious from your point of view, if you played it or, or, you know, dad played it or grandpa played it or what got you introduced to it? Because I feel like no matter what people in San Diego playing, not playing, no history, at least in the recent past have started to gravitate towards the team. But I feel like you have that a little bit deeper roots you know, where it was tough times in San Diego. And now, as you've mentioned, things are looking up. Well, and I think part of it too, for me, and I did end up playing through high school. I just mentioned Little League, but I did play all the way through high school. Sure. I think part of it for me was because my family wasn't that into it and because my friends weren't into it and the team was bad, it quickly became, when I was a little kid, it was like an identity of it. I am Ryan. I like the Padres. I like baseball. And this is my thing. And I'm going to go all in. Sure. And of course, I didn't realize it at that age. I wasn't sitting around at eight years old going like, one day I'm going to become so <laughs> devoted that, you know, yeah, that's how yeah. I'm thinking. But it just evolved from like, this is what I love. And I want to be known for this. And I'm only going to talk about the Padres. And I'm not going to have friends unless they like the Padres. <laughs> and then I, you know, hopefully made a couple social uh, adjustments and made a couple friends along sure. the way that don't necessarily care about baseball. But there was a good stretch in my life where if you didn't want to talk about baseball, I didn't want to talk to you. Like it was that simple. Yeah. Um, until I was probably 13 or 14 years old. Yeah, I can definitely relate. Uh, my upbringing was my friends were my teammates in baseball, right? Yep. And my classmates that played baseball and loved baseball, and we would we would wear Padres jerseys to to school on opening day and when they made the playoffs and things like that, you know, it was huge. It was a huge part of the community. And I think that's one thing that might be overlooked, especially with a team like the Padres in a smaller market, not a big city, not a Philly or New York or even LA or San Francisco. It's a huge part of the city. And I think we're seeing that especially more recently with the success that the team is having and how the turnout People are saying, where are, the, you know, where are all these Padres fans coming from and what's going on? They've always been there. They've just been waiting, right, for that product that they can invest in and feel comfortable putting money towards. So I totally, you know, relate with what you were talking about and, and the upbringing and, and everything else. So um, veering away from baseball quickly and a couple different things uh, to talk about that will transition back towards it. I, I wanted to give you an opportunity, too, because I, I've followed you for I think a couple of years now my personal account but um started this this endeavor with phenomenal fan media and specifically this baseball only show 
but I know that you are involved in some types of community service. And if I'm saying this correctly, and I apologize if I mispronounce, but Camp Kesem, is that how you say it? Camp Kesem? Um, talk yep. a little bit about Camp, it, yeah. Kes- Camp Kesem and what that is for you personally and also what it means for everybody involved. That is the one thing in my life outside of friends and family that means more to me than the Padres. It is the most important thing I ever did, most important thing I've ever done. Um, So basically what it is, if you've never heard of it, it's a free summer camp and year-round support system for kids whose parents have been affected by cancer, and it's run completely by college students. So when I was a freshman up at UC Davis, my one of my best friend's older brother was a fifth year there, and he was a counselor at Camp Kesem and was telling me about it. Okay, I'll give it a shot. And I just fell in love with it. Um, and by the time I was a senior this past year, I worked my way up to being the director of the whole chapter. And Davis is one of the bigger chapters. And basically that entails, it's completely free for the family. So we had to raise all the money. We put on a big gala to raise the money. We completely planned the camp. There are year-round support events and whatnot. Uh, we have Zoom calls with some of the campers if they're going through a tough time. And it's heavy, obviously. I mean, the nature of the beast, right? You're dealing with cancer, which is never an easy thing. But there's so much love and there's so much... It's just such a strong community from kids 6 to 18 years old and then the counselors, many of whom have also dealt with a parent's cancer, uh, that, yeah, I mean, I could talk about it all day. I get a little emotional sometimes because it's, no, it's no, something of that really means a lot to me. But out of everything out of everything that has happened with – and this word is too big, so it, it, I don't mean – I'm not saying that I'm famous, but I'm just going to use the word out of the fame, sure, sure. quote-unquote fame that I've gotten through Twitter, I am most proud – of the money that I raised for the camp, more than any retweets or people I've gotten to meet or Padres tickets or anything. The fact that I was able to turn it into some bucks for the the cause that I really care about and put a lot of time and effort into, so special. That just means so much to me. Yeah, 100%. Uh, You've mentioned, you talk about fame. I mean, that's, sometimes it's harder to find a word, but I think more than anything, you know, your influence or notoriety or whatever synonym you want to use, I think the thing that might resonate with a lot of people and maybe why your your personality and your approach at, at life in general does resonate so well and people do tend to gravitate towards your stuff is because you, I feel like personally from what I've seen on the outside looking in is that you've taken this opportunity of just really, you know, nice, good personality, outgoing um, and gaining attention from the onset and used it as an opportunity for things like Camp Kesem that you talked about, right? I mean, we see it with this, uh, what was an unfortunate circumstance with the the safety on the Buffalo Bills and DeMar Hamlin, right? And and it starts off as this terrible, terrible thing, and nobody knows how to how to deal with something like that. Or in, in your case, right? It's 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 a like you said, it's very heavy with dealing with kids who are directly impacted by something like cancer. But you take it, and people are using their their own opportunities. And in DeMar Hamlin's case, right? I mean, his uh, toy drive. GoFundMe page has raised millions of dollars and you have this opportunity now on Twitter with your, like you said, fame or let's say influence or, or anything, and you use it as an opportunity to raise money for these kids. And I just thought it was, I, I knew what it was. I just wanted to make sure that was included. And um, when this episode for those listening gets posted on on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, we'll be sure to include at least maybe the link to it if, if Ryan can send that to me or or the page to donate or anything like that. Um, because it's a great cause. I mean, they're all, everything I feel like for the most part is a great cause, but this is something where Ryan knows where the money goes. Ryan is directly impacted by this and these kids are directly impacted by this and he can attest to that firsthand. So I just wanted to include that. 
and um you know make sure people heard it because it's that stuff like doesn't get put out every day but it's important to include uh, in these types of conversations so well yeah go ahead i just want to say thank you like thanks for letting me talk about it for a yeah. sec um, i didn't know that that was one of the questions but i really do i love being able to talk about it and like you said, I, I never, I, I never want to say, "Oh, give money to me instead of this other cause," because tons of things that matter. I mean, I'm not saying right. this is the most important. Oh, of course. But it is definitely something that has touched my life. And um, if you have a couple extra dollars that you want to donate to this camp, I, I know that it's going to a great cause, and I've seen it for the last four years. And I talk to the kids all the time, and it's, it's really a family. It's something really incredible. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned it's, it's you know where the money's going, and and not that these other causes. Right. I mean, but people get impacted by different things and it drives them to different directions. And and um, sometimes when you when you do feel generous enough to give money away, a lot of times to these bigger causes or bigger, bigger organizations, you know, you don't really know where is my ten dollars going? Where is my twenty dollars going? And in your case, Camp Kesem, it's directly impacting you and not, you know, and it's not financially benefiting you. But you know what I mean? It's it's helping you help these kids and helping these kids. I mean, at the end of the day, that's directly uh, what it's doing. So I'm glad we were able to, to touch on it because it is important. And like I said, I'll include links and websites and anything that uh, Ryan can provide. So um, another non-baseball thing to talk about here quickly before we start to transition back is uh, a newer development that I didn't necessarily plan on maybe talking about initially when I thought about reaching out to you, but specifically in the last couple of days, uh, Ryan was lucky enough to make an appearance on Wheel of Fortune. And I, being where I'm located now geographically, I don't know if it was the time zones. I'm not in California or San Diego anymore. And I checked the TV guide and I saw Wheel of Fortune and it was Wheel of Fortune Celebrity Edition, which so I was disappointed because it wasn't Ryan's episode. However, my family still lives in San Diego. My younger brother tuned in for the entirety of the episode, said you walked away with a good chunk of money, but didn't come out on top. I didn't see any of it, so I'm not going to make any assumptions or any judgments. But in general, how did that come about, and what was that experience like for you? It was such a fun experience. Um, so it started on Christmas Day 2020. I got an ad on my Twitter feed saying apply to be on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I don't, I had never really watched the show. I'm not some Wheel of Fortune fanatic. And I was like, okay, sure, why not? And I sent in a video and then they emailed me back and said they wanted me to audition. I was like, whoa, all right. Yeah. So I started watching the show a bunch and like studying, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I auditioned. I felt like I did pretty well. I was feeling good. I was confident. I was really like, maybe I'll get on the show crickets never heard back <laughs> never heard back i was kind of bummed i was like well all right there goes that and then i got an email saying you can apply once a year sure so last january january 2021 i applied again or sorry january 2022 i applied again never heard back and i was like all right no audition nothing like i'm over this the day the padres are eliminated suarez had just given up the homer to harper i'm yep. as low as i've been doom scrolling i get an email jackie at wf.com or whatever the email was you're gonna be on wheel of fortune next week no way no way so i was studying my butt off i mean i was watching 10 episodes a day i was really trying to figure out how the show worked how to do it and then i get there and we're on the jeopardy stage they're doing my hair and makeup and everything and 
all these people around me, all these other contestants, because they film six episodes a day. Oh, wow. So there are a bunch of contestants there. And these people are like, this is my lifelong dream. I've, I've loved Wheel of Fortune <laughs> so much. I've always wanted to be on the show. And it's me at 22 years old going, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, me too. That's great. Yeah. Uh, and then I went on, and I, I had a little bit of tough luck with the wheel a couple times, a couple of bad guesses. But I solved a few puzzles and ended up walking out of there with over $17,000. So I'm pretty happy about it. And the other night, having the watch party here at my house and having friends come and watch and getting texts from really around the country, was it was a special, special time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's an opportunity that I feel like a lot of people, like you said, dream of. Sounds like the people you were worth working with and and on stage with directly. And uh, I'm sure you probably came across you know those older and younger and all different kinds of demographics and age groups. And so it's a very unique and interesting experience. And I remember specifically because it was such a interesting thing. I remember uh, when I was younger in San Diego. Growing up, they had a, a Wheel of Fortune basically tryout situation in downtown. They, they set up uh, somewhere, in, I forget the name of the park, but it's it's a smaller park in downtown San Diego. And they had a stage and they had a, basically you go out and fill out your name, put it in a raffle, and then they just draw names out, call your name up on stage and ask you some questions. And it's basically an application, but in person, right? So there's people there taking notes and honestly, and it's entertainment for the people in the crowd. And so... Uh, we spent a couple hours there just for fun. It was also like a festival. There was food trucks and stuff like that. And then right as we're about to head out, um, you know, they pulled a name out and it was my dad's name, you know? And so he goes up on stage and he tries to do, you know, the entertaining stuff. And they always ask you like your interests and like what, you know, they're like, what, what are you into? And, and uh, my dad's like, well, you know, I like to dance, even though he hated dancing. And they, every time that somebody said that, They'd cue him up with some, you know, some funky music or something, and he'd have to start dancing because you want to show off, right? You want to be entertaining and show off your personality. Um, so I always thought that was interesting because my dad's a great guy, but he wouldn't be. You and him are different in that. I just I know for sure that you and your personality plays really well on something like Wheel of Fortune, just outgoing and and high energy, and that's probably exactly what they were looking for. So I as soon as I heard or saw your teaser tweet of you going on Wheel of Fortune, I said that's that's perfect. That's a perfect fit. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to do well. I don't know if you get like the ratings reports on anything like that, but, but uh, yeah, that's just funny. It's really cool stuff. So I don't get the ratings reports, but I do get the texts from friends and family friends. Sure. And sure. Sure. Random people around the country who are watching and blows my mind. How many people are watching this episode And the funniest text I got, my favorite ones that I got, I got a few of these where, Texts from my friends, my age, screenshots of their grandparents or their aunts being like, do you know this Ryan kid from UC? Yeah, Davis? yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, they, of course I do. So it was so much fun. And, you know, they, they get millions of viewers. So there were definitely a lot of people watching the show, which, you know, for 20 minutes, I'm in the house of many, many American homes. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I just thought uh, we'd talk about it and bring it up because it was uh, a different development, non-baseball related, but something that just happened recently. So uh, congrats, by the way, too, on 17 grand. That's a good it's a good payday, even though you didn't come out of there with the brand new car or whatever else they were offering. But uh, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting for sure. So the last thing we'll we'll talk about here, I guess, non-baseball, but transitioning into baseball uh, is 
with this Wheel of Fortune announcement or, or information or whatever you're putting out on on Twitter, you got a lot of interaction and direct interaction with guys uh, that also, I think, find themselves in the similar realm that you're in as far as, uh, again, influencers or or just p- members of the baseball community, guys like the John Boy Media crew and, and uh, uh, those alike. How did you develop those relationships and how do you feel like that is beneficial and unique to the baseball community, the baseball Twitter community with guys like John boy and, and Jake talking to you, where did those relationships come about and how does that, how's that different than I think a lot of the other sports in their, their communities? Well, I'm stoked you mentioned that because I am a huge John boy media fan and have been for a long time. I I was watching John boys breakdowns before he was a big time. I was, I think they've done over 600 episodes of Talking Baseball. Mm-hmm. I was listening before they were at 100. I just think that they cover baseball better than anyone. And anyone that gets a lot of attention is going to get hate. And I know that John Boy Media gets hate. I don't understand why. I just think people who hate on them don't really get it or it's, stem, it's rooted in jealousy. I don't get it. So I completely don't care about that. And they, I just think they have made baseball so understandable and enjoyable for a lot of non-diehard fans and so much easier to digest on a national level for diehard baseball fans like you and myself so i want to start there i absolutely love sure boy media i just think they're the best and i watch as much of their content as i can and they had an event in los angeles for the all-star game last year and i was like you know what san diego's 100 miles from la i'll just go up there and go see if i can not not necessarily network, but in some ways meet my heroes and in other ways just schmooze around a little and see how it goes. Pardon me there. I burped. So <laughs> okay. I go up and I'm talking to some people with the company and, you know, I've seen all these people in different videos and whatnot and everyone's so friendly and so nice and I'm having a great time and I get to meet Jimmy and Jake and it's just really, really great. And I sent a few DMs that night saying, thank you. I had so much fun chatting with you and you and, you know, Zoe from the We Got Ice and Dan Canobio who does the boxing show and Sam who works in background stuff. I, they're just, they're awesome. Um, so I was really, really feeling great. And then at the end of the night, I go up to say thank you to Jake. And he says, oh, someone was telling me you're big in the Padres world. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a big fan. And, you know, if you ever need anything Padres, just let me know. So that was it. And I was like, wow, that was really, really cool. Thank you so much. Then the playoffs roll around and I get a DM from Talking Baseball saying, hey, we love your Padres content. We'd love to have you help promote our Padres merch. And John Boy Media, I was like, oh, my yeah. goodness. Of yeah. course. Be so happy. And I get DMs semi-regularly from companies asking me to promote their stuff. I've never done it. I've gotten gambling deals, offers, stuff like that. I just don't want to promote something that I'm not personally into because they're not paying enough at this point in my life to, like, sell out, basically. Sure. And I debated it. I didn't know if I wanted to promote anything at all. But when it was for a company that I love so much that I'm happy to promote, it was like, there's no brainer here. And the fact that paying me on top of it was something else. So then I had posted a couple things and then John Boy followed me. And I was like, "There, wow. Like, yeah, this is yeah, the coolest yeah. I've felt. I mean, that was cool. So I was feeling good. But, you know, internet interaction is kind of goofy. Like, I, inter- I interact with all sorts of people. And then they come up and say, hi, we talked three months ago. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember you. Right, so, right. You know, and I'm trying, but I just don't remember. Then I go to winter meetings and I'm on the Ben and Woods show. Um, down in downtown San Diego and 
I'm chatting with Bennett Woods and John Boy and Jake come up to do their interview and I stand up and John Boy goes, Oh, Ryan, what's up, man? Wow. Like, wow. He yeah. knows my name right off the bat, just like that. So I was really kind of internally freaking out and to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, they're assuming that they're not listening to this. My dream is to work for them. I would love to work for them. I think that would be the coolest thing in the world. I just graduated in June. Um, and I was doing camp all summer and then I've been traveling a little bit and I don't have a real job right now, but you know, making $17,000 by accident, basically yeah. helps a lot with that where I can just, I've just kind of been traveling. That's what I've been doing since. And my home base is San Diego. I'm at my parents' house for the holidays right now and through the new year, but I'm going to Europe next month. And that's kind of what I've been doing is just traveling around. And if by the time the traveling is over, if I could somehow, some way land a gig with that company, that would be the dream. So to see John Boy and Jake yesterday interacting with my Wheel of Fortune stuff was just like that. I mean, that might have been the coolest part of all of it for me because yeah. I love those guys. I just think the world of them. And, you know, I, I like their whole motto is fun over funny. They're funny guys, but they're not trying to crack jokes and be stand up comedy. Sure. They're just got a good vibe. They bring in good people and they produce really, really good content. And, I think the people who hate on them only see the tweets and, you know, when you're tweeting, you're trying to drive attention and, you know, you, maybe you ask a question or something as opposed to stating what you actually feel. But if you listen to the podcast or watch any of their YouTube content, they know what the, they're talking about. You know, they're not dumb. For they sure. Talking about. For and sure. They're fun and engaging. And I, I mean, I could talk all day about how much I love John Boy Media, but those interactions were really cool for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would like to personally also just, double down exactly on everything you just said about their content. It's incredibly engaging. It's incredibly informative and educational and funny in a way that you, you talked about where they're not trying to just be comedians the entire time. The people that they brought in, the influence that they have and the, the way that they're using it, the right way they're using it, and Trevor Plouffe and, and Peter Moylan and everything else. Uh, I'm also a regular consumer, and I think... I went to the all-star, uh, the same exact thing you went to in LA. I went to in 2021 because I live in Colorado now. So they had it in Denver for the all-star game. And uh, one of my buddies I grew up with in San Diego said, dude, they're, they're doing it. It was a small, it was even smaller than the, uh, the one I think this past off this past all-star break. I don't know how many people were up there in LA. I think it was, I don't know, around a hundred maybe. Uh, um, admit, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but uh the one in Denver was at a little bit of a smaller venue. It was like a little bit more intimate. It was like 30, 40 people, but the whole crew was there. I mean, everybody from Peter to Trevor to Kelsey to the Joe's, you know, BBD, all the guys were there. And my buddy reached out beforehand and said, dude, like they're coming to Denver. I know you live there. And we, we were great buddies. Like I'll come up, I'll buy your ticket. If you let me stay, like we kind of made a deal. And I was like, dude, done, like done and done. Right. And and on top of that, and not to to get not to make things more sensitive, because at that time, at least, the Padres at the at the All Star break last year were a big deal. I mean, Tatis was leading off in the All Star game. The Padres are looking like what they last what they did in 2022 was going to happen in some capacity also in 2021. Obviously, we don't have to get into it, but things didn't pan out. That is neither here nor there, but. That event and talking to those guys and everything else was was amazing. I mean, even talking to uh, Jimmy's younger brother, you know, and and you mentioned Sam. Yeah. Like these, all these people are just it's 
it's amazing. And so I, I'd, I'd echo everything that you said. And that's sort of a, I'd say more than anything, probably they inspired me in some capacity to do what I'm doing now, which is, yeah, you know, it's independent and it's obviously not as big, but inevitably hoping to, you know, if it's not them and, and anything else, get picked up or at least have a, have the opportunity and be lucky enough to do something like what I'm doing and talking about baseball and talking to people like you and doing something like that full time, because I think that's anybody's ultimate dream. And I think specifically those guys have influenced me in a way that, uh, it's different, right? It's different than the big outlets. It's different than ESPN. It's different than even MLB network in some capacity, uh, because they, you know, those guys, a lot of times they're just a little bit more, not those guys meeting job boy, those guys meeting MLB network and ESPN. It's good content. It's fine. But a lot of times it is a little bit corporate or it's a little bit more, uh, you know, non-controversial. And it's not that John Boy's guys are controversial either. It's just that they have, they don't have a lot to answer to. And so they can come out and say, you know, like, I, I don't think, you know, even them being kind of Yankees bias and they're talking Yank stuff, they can say stuff like, you know, I don't want Carlos Correa on the Yankees, right? Whereas like Michael Kay at Yes Network, probably couldn't say something like that, right? So they have this outlet, and, and yeah, they've used it in a great way, and I just, I knew I'd seen the interactions between you guys and was curious how that developed, and I, uh, my buddy, you actually might know him uh, he, or have come across him. He was also at the LA uh, John Boy event, too, so he had been to both. I think he was one of the few people who had been to the Denver one and the Los Angeles one, so um, yeah, just, just interesting um, that interaction, and you and John Boy and Jake, they're just great dudes and they just, they do great work. So speaking of and transitioning more towards the Padres and baseball, we have another duo specifically in San Diego that we are lucky enough to represent and broadcast the Padres on a nightly basis. I know and have been watching Padres baseball since the days of channel four and Matty V and, you know, Mark Grant and all those guys, obviously, that started this local coverage as, as a lot of teams gained their own specific local networks or, or coverage, things like that in the early 2000s. Padres had since transitioned to Fox Sports and they had Dick Enberg for a couple of years. And then I don't entirely know the entire uh, passage or, or what happened between how Don Orsillo ended up with the Padres. But I can say confidently, and, and this is a question for you too, I personally think Don Orsillo combined with Mark Grant is the best combination of all the play-by-play -play announcers that I've listened to. And of course, that's definitely coming from a biased perspective. But unbiased, I've, I've seen and watched, and I, like I said, I live in Denver now, so I watch a lot of Rockies baseball just with the local you know, cable coverage and things like that. And I've just watched a lot of other baseball, even the obviously the primetime games and ESPN and Fox Sports, and I think they're the best. But in your opinion, do you think they're the best? And I and probably know your answer to that, but also, what do you think their impact is on, what do you think the impact of Don Rosillo and Mark Grant on the community of San Diego truly means to the people? I love this question. Uh, of course, I think they're the best, but I also want to say that if you are a fan of another team and you love your broadcast crew, that's all that matters. There is no actual sure, sure. ranking that matters. Sure. If you love your broadcast crew, that's what matters. And I'm not going to name teams because I don't want to throw certain announcers under the bus, but there are plenty of fan bases who have very generic 
very boring, call the pitch, call the game announcers, and that's just not that entertaining. Every single big moment, and the biggest complaints I hear about Don and Mud are, oh, they're too goofy, they don't yep. care about the game. They're laughing, Every joking around. Time, yeah. there's a big moment in the game. Every time there's a big moment in the game, they're locked in on the game. They're not talking about the donut they had that morning or Mud's boiler. They're talking about the game. When it matters. In the fourth inning of a 7-1 game on April the 26th, they can laugh for it a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. And we talked earlier at the beginning of this how I fell in love with baseball. As big a reason, if not the biggest reason, was Mark Grant. Because the guy was so funny and engaging. And I was this little kid just – I've learned more about the sport of baseball from Mark Grant than any human on the planet. So many of the things that I say when I'm watching a game come straight from his mouth. And oftentimes, I'm sure this happens with you too, I'm watching a game. Something will happen. I'll say something, and then Mud or Don say the exact same thing. And my parents or my friends will be like, how did you know that? Well, I learned it from them. Right. So, of course, I know what they're going to say because they're the ones who taught me. And looking at Don specifically, Don Orsillo grew up a Red Sox fan. He worked in Pawtucket for 10 years. He ended up being the voice of the Red Sox in the most historic era of Red Sox history, winning three World Series. Don Orsillo had every single reason to come to San Diego get a beautiful home in Coronado and cruise and just be like, yeah, this is my retirement job. Peace. But instead he completely brought in completely. All of it. He made it his passion. The Padres are Don Orsillo's favorite team. And mud is as big of a homer as there is in the world. And he'll tell you as much. Yep. And I've gotten to know Mark Grant over the last few years, which is just one of the coolest things for me. I love that man. And, I consider him a friend at this point. What you see on television is him off the field. There's no, there's no two personalities with Mark Grant. That's just who he is. And they make baseball fun. And they love the team. They know what they're talking about. But they keep it fun. And they laugh at each other. And they realize it's a sport, not a huge day-by-day job. Yep, 100%. And I think more broadcast teams need to appreciate that it's a game. These are dudes in pajamas with sticks hitting a ball hard and just – have some fun with it. And I think that's what John Boy does so well. I think it's what Mud and Don do so well. And I think they're a huge reason. Look, what brings you to the Padres? Fernando, Manny, I mean, Soto now. Right, right, right. Pitching, Xander. That's what brings you in. But what gets you to stay? Mud and Don. Petco Park. The huge fan base. That's how you build a fan base. And I think I think the Padres are doing it just as well, if not better, than anyone else right now. Uh, yeah, I... So I'm really glad I just I had you on. I mean, I just couldn't have said it much better. Uh, it's exactly what I think of them. And I think I've heard in some cases, I remember the first job I got out of college uh, working in just a sports gambling company and, and just fresh out of school and living in Denver and coming across people, older people, adults, or even kids my age, kids meaning 22-year-olds, but people my age, coming from all different walks of life and backgrounds, moving from across the country to come and work in Denver at this company. And they were a lot, a few of them were pretty big baseball guys. And I remember one kid in particular, you know, he's like, I'm from Vegas. So I'm a Dodgers fan. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, obviously I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make any comments, but I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a Padres fan. And, and he's like, oh yeah. He goes, you know, sometimes I've tuned into their broadcast. He's like, and I just can't, I can't stand the guys you have calling games. and. And I said, you know, at first I, well, I had to take a deep breath and I was like, uh, obviously like this guy doesn't know who these people are as 
like you said, people off the field. They don't know Mark Grant and what he does for the community and the impact that he has. They don't know Don Rosillo. They don't, and, and I don't blame them to an extent, right? I mean, he, he's probably tuned into two or three games uh, over the span of his entire life about listening to the Padres broadcast. And the games that, you know what, he's probably tuned into, like you said, has been a 7-1 to one game. Dodgers are blowing him out in the fourth inning back in 2014 or 16 or 18. And they're joking around and they're, they're laughing and all this stuff. And I could see in some cases, you know, maybe like, well, that's not how the game is, you know? And I don't know this kid's perspective on the game either. But one thing I know for sure is Mark Grant's ability to, I think, provide that extra level of entertainment that he now doesn't necessarily have to do, I feel like, as much because the product on the field is going to do it for him. But his ability to provide that extra level when things were going poorly is something that I don't think can be taught. I don't think can be matched. And I think having them now in this era of Padres baseball is only going to lift us up even higher. And I, I've seen the memes too, right? Where it's Don Orsillo freaking out about anything Fernando Tatis Jr. does. And I personally think with all the hype that's led to, you know, or at, at least led up to what was this huge wave behind Fernando Tatis Jr. and the cover of MLB The Show, the all-star appearances and the brand deals and everything. I personally don't think any of that happens if you don't have the play-by-play calls behind some of the stuff that he's done. Because everybody can see and recognize, yeah, he makes these great plays and he's a crazy athlete. But when Don Orsillo goes, diving catch, you know, like crazy, as opposed to, like you've mentioned, some other teams, and we don't get, need to get specific or anything like that, but uh, he makes it what it is. And I think the combination of the both of them and the fact that they are so just lovely off the field and everything else is exactly uh, the perfect fit. Like you said, the gr- just perfect for the Padres and what they are as a team and the ownership. And I bet, you know, if you talk to Peter Seidler, he'd say, I wouldn't trade either of those guys for anybody else in the entire world. So it's a great fit. We we love them in San Diego. And if you're listening or watching and you you haven't tuned in or anything like that, just try it out, right? Try it with an open mind because I can understand, like I said, some people are a little bit more purist or or they want it to be more serious. But like you said, at the end of the day, it's not that serious. It's a game, and these guys make it that way. And the majority of the people who – and I, I totally understand that people fan differently, and I'm not going to tell you how to fan. I never will do that. The majority of the people who want a more serious broadcast, just the truth of it is they're usually older because that's how they grew up. Baseball 100%. doesn't need the older fans. That's just a fact. I'm not like trying to say don't watch baseball if you're over the age of 55. <laughs> right. That's a fact. Baseball needs kids our age and younger. And Don Orsillo and Mark Grant are way more attractive to 10 to 30-year-olds than they are to 60 to 80-year-olds. Sure. And that's fine. That's completely fine. And Vince Scully, I think, is the greatest announcer to ever do it. He's maybe the only thing I like about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Vince, I, sure. Vince Scully has all of my respect. And it's incredible that he did a one-man booth for 66 years or however long it was. That's great. Unbelievable announcer. And he made it interesting. There's a reason that he's the only one to have done that. Because no one else can do it. So if you're not at Vin Scully's level, you, and Don Orsillo is amazing. Don Orsillo is not Vin Scully. Don Orsillo would tell you he's not Vin Scully. Yep. So you have to do something to make it entertaining. Because it's an entertainment product. 
And that's what they do. And they do as good of a job as anyone. And you talked about Don Orsillo going crazy for amazing Fernando Tatis diving play, let's say. If Fernando, let's say Manny Machado hits a home run when the Padres are down 7-1, to he's not going to freak out. But if it's a game-winning home run, right. he's going to lose his Of course, mind. of and course. that's what matters. That's what's fun. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, yeah, just wanted to get your take on it. I knew, I knew about your a little bit more personal relationship with Mark Grant, but I think um, the times that I've run across him at the stadium, I remember when I was way younger, early days at Petco Park, and uh, happened to, I mean, literally just run across him on the way out of the stadium because we hung around for a while afterwards. You know, and, and you can say this about a lot of different people, but, hey, oh, Mark Grant, can we get a picture? And it wasn't just like, oh, hey, put your arm around you. Thanks. Talk to you later. It was like, holy cow, like you have a Josh Barfield jersey on? Like that's one of the, one of the more rare jerseys I've seen, you know, all this. <laughs> and it's like straight into, you know, that kind of thing. And then he's like, oh, yeah, 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 let's take the picture. Like we almost forgot about it because he's so he's just considerate and everything else. And I think like we, I think you and I saw, but, you know, the situations like during the COVID year, the Padres flinched a postseason berth and he's getting like emotional in the booth after the game. And it's like, clearly, I mean, at least for me personally, I would rather have a guy like that who's clearly invested, has gone through the hard times uh, and appreciates the, the product the same way we do, as opposed, I think so in some cases, and that's not a dig on anybody, you know, affiliated with the bigger market teams, but these guys, it's like, that's like their expectation. And then if it's not exactly what they've been expecting their entire lives or used to about winning a hundred games a year, or world series or bust, when it doesn't happen, I feel like a lot of times it's, it's almost a negative sort of feel or a negative vibe in the booth. Right. Or, and it's like with these guys, you would never know that. Oh, well, like before this sort of new era of really successful Padres baseball, I would never turn on the game and be like, oh, I'm depressed or Padres are getting blown out or this and that. It's just like you said, it provided the entertainment factor that that I think kept people around long enough and developed and built the fan base to the point where now. Here we are really competitive and really entertaining product okay. on and off the field. Can I tell a really quick? Go ahead. Go ahead. Story? Go ahead. So you mentioned that COVID night where he got a little emotional on the broadcast. So I was out to dinner with my grandma that night and I felt my phone buzz and I was like, ah, I'm not going to take this. But I was like, let me just check. I checked and it was Mark Grant. Oh, Bubby. That's why I call my grandma. Bubby, I got to take this real quick. So I stepped outside. I was like, Mud, what's up? And he was not tearing at that point, but you could tell that he was still pretty emotional on his drive back to Alpine. And he just said, I'm so happy for you, man. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I am too. Believe me, I'm stoked the Padres made the playoffs. Sure. Like, You've been around longer, all this stuff. And he goes, yeah but you weren't around for Tony Gwynn. You didn't get to see good teams. And the fact that you are finally able to appreciate a playoff team is awesome. And I, I loved Mark Grant before that call. I've loved him ever since, but that it, obviously it's about me. Cause he called me, but the fact he called any fan and was thinking about any fan on a night like that shows you who he is. And I mean, I have a few more stories just to emphasize how amazing he is, but I, I think the world of that guy. And I think he's the best play or color announcer in baseball. I think he's hilarious. And I, I don't have enough good words to say about Mark Grant. 100%. Again, I, I didn't have that specific experience, but echoing everything you said and, and, uh, and even the other stuff too, you know, the stuff I'm sure you, you mentioned, you say things before they even say it. And I think that's, that's the sign of a really effective and, and good 
TV color guy or even announcer to some extent, right? And then I take it off the field and I, I go, you know, when I'm eight or 10 or 12 years old and playing Little League and I'm pitching and, you know, I come up to the, uh, I'm facing the, the biggest kid in the league, the home run hitter, and I throw a ball over the plate and he smokes it and it's foul. My first instinct, knowing who I was, is like, man, like, God, I can't do that again. Like, it's such a bad pitch. And obviously, like, the curveball was just terrible and I shouldn't throw it anymore. And then my dad, as the coach from the dugout or whatever, is like, dude, strike two. So what? You know, like that type of stuff where that that translates through the TV out into the, you know, the households across the community and it resonates. Right. And then uh, vice versa, when I I'm pitching as well, ball gets hit at me. And and the first thing that comes through my head when it goes through my legs or over my shoulder into the outfield is like hockey suit, man. Like that's got to get ready. Right. That type of stuff. So. It's. I think all of that stuff is a great indication of of a guy doing their job very well, and I think uh, we're really lucky in San Diego to have them. If you guys haven't tuned in before to, to check them out, please do. Now, as we transition to Padres baseball, we don't have to go too far into it. Obviously, we, everybody knows it was an incredible season for the Padres last year, 2022. Deep run in the postseason. I, like I said, live in Denver now. Try to check out Padres. Not try to. I go to every Padres game at Coors Field, and when I go back home for once or twice during this regular season, I go to every game that they play at home and I was able to make it to both of the games against the Dodgers. I had to go back and I missed the Phillies games, unfortunately, uh, but it was an incredible year for me and everything else. I have successfully converted my girlfriend from a casual Coors or a casual Rockies fan. She likes the sport. She loved baseball. She played softball and everything else. But uh, as we were going through the holiday season, right, send me your gifts or send me things you want. And she sends screenshots of Amazon products and water bottles and things like that. And then she sent a, a Padres hat. And I was like, that's, that's, that's the stuff right there, right? So it's great. And I think, I, I'm sure as you can attest to this, we're starting to see a lot more of that. But based on this last season, what, what do you think were the biggest takeaways besides we're obviously good we can compete and clearly beat a team like the Dodgers but what are the takeaways that we need to take from let's say as a fan from you after a team a season like 2022 going into uh, a season like 2023 oh did I lose you can you hear me so I think, yeah, the Wi-Fi cut out for a second there, but I heard, I heard what are the biggest takeaways? Is that right? Yeah, the biggest takeaways as a fan from 2022 going into 2023, and this can be, you know, whatever, team advice or what you think is going to happen or yeah. just the 2022 season outlook as it transition into next year. Well, I would start with the Dodgers are beatable, which is a very good feeling. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't know. and nor even necessarily believe that the Padres could beat the Dodgers in the playoffs, but it can, it can happen. And that is huge going forward. Um, but more as a fan base, it's strong. The fan base is really, really strong and people are tuning in and people are having fun. And my biggest thing this year is with Xander and Soto and basically a full year of Tatis and a full year of Soto, full year of Manny for sure. 
it should be a sellout almost every single night, especially in the summertime. You know, early April, May, okay, you have jobs cool. and stuff in yeah. September, people get into school, whatever. But summertime, 73 degrees outside. I want that place packed. And I think it will be. And I, I, I don't have any advice or anything. I mean, I love AJ Preller. I love Peter Seidler. I think what they've done are, is incredible. But my what I want to get out more than anything is if you're a fan, go show your support. Uh, it, I know Petco can get a little pricey, and I, I'm not telling you to spend $10,000 every time you go to the ballpark, but you can get into the park and have a fairly economical night. For you know, It doesn't have to be that much money. Um, and get into the ballpark, be a part of the atmosphere, go nuts when they score, chat with your buddies, grab a beer, like just have fun, enjoy it. And there's no guarantee that this team will be even as good next year. You know, Soto could opt out, Manny might leave, or sorry, vice versa, Manny might leave. Manny might opt out. Soto might leave. Who knows? We don't know. But in 2023, it's going to be a really, really fun year to be a Padres fan and show Peter Sider that support. Tune into the games when they're on the road and just try and soak it up and enjoy it. That's that's really where I'm where I'm at. Yeah, 100 percent agree as well. And I would say uh, one of the things that I I fundamentally talk to a lot of people about is um, I think it's vitally important to. You know, if you grew up, let's say, hypothetically, uh, your dad was a lifelong Cubs fan or your dad grew up in the Bronx, right, or things like that, you know, I can understand, right? I'm a Yankees fan. We moved to San Diego and I was in middle school or whatever the case is. You know, that that's fine. And you know what? Root for them. But one of the things I feel really strongly about is fan or no fan, it's vitally important to the local community, the city, and everything else to support those professional sports teams, especially because there's so many guys on those teams that aren't from there that don't necessarily like maybe even love being there or whatever. But if they get supported, all that's going to do is produce a better product on the field. It's going to boost the local economy. It's going to boost the local morale of everybody involved in, you know, that is a diehard fan like you and I are. So it is important to go support. Now we have the product. We have the team that deserves it. And I think that's super important and uh, something that I would, that, you know, would echo from what you said about how find a way to get out there in any way you can. It doesn't need to break the bank. And if you are a visiting player, I can tell you a visiting player, a visiting fan at, at a visiting ballpark or in a different area. You know, I've seen you up in, in San Francisco at, at Oracle. I've been to every single Padres game at Coors Field since I've lived in Colorado for seven plus years. And, you know, I was lucky enough on top of it. The first weekend I moved to college was August of 2015 and Matt Kemp hit for the cycle and I was there, right? The next year, I think it was either the next year or the year after, Will Myers hits for the cycle. I was there. That's the type of stuff where you're not going to get that opportunity to say something like that if you don't go out and support. And like I said, you know, and like you said, you don't need season tickets. I'm not asking anybody to, to shell out like you said, $10,000, $20,000 and buy seats behind on plate every night. But it is important to support. It's important to watch. And I think that's a great takeaway for, for as an outlook for fans going into the next season. So transitioning to next season, as a fan, knowing everything that's going on, I, I would say personally, this upcoming season, from my experience and knowledge of baseball and as a Padres fan and analytics and all these things considered 2023 for the Padres as an organization is 
has the potential and I feel like is the peak. It's the pinnacle. This is the year. Uh, everything's built up towards this moment. And after this year, there's potential for the team to be drastically different. So going into this season as a fan, everybody says we want to win the World Series. We want to get there. We can. What is your outlook and expectation for the San Diego Padres in 2023? I think World Series, making the World Series would satisfy me. Winning the World Series, obviously, I want. That goes without saying. But what my only hesitation what you said there is the 2019 Nationals. Because I think the Nationals were better in 2012 and 13, 14, 15, sure. 16, 17, 18. Sure. I, I, think, I think the 2019 that won wasn't necessarily the best Nationals team. I think the 2023 Padres team is most likely going to be the best of this window, or at least the best so far, for sure. But sure. I think most likely going to be the best of this window if you just look at the guys and when their contracts are up with Darvish and Snell and potentially Manny and then Soto the year after that. I don't want to go as far as saying if they don't win the World Series, 2023 is a failure because I think there's going to be so many fun moments throughout the year that I'm going to, even a year like 2021, right? Awful season. The Daniel Camarena game is maybe the coolest game I've ever been to. So 100%. I don't throw that season away and just say, wow, that sucked because that night alone was magical. So I think there are going to be so many nights in 2023 and comebacks and Soto homers and Xander doubles and Darvish shutout that's just going to be like, wow. I mean, how are you going to throw this away? Now, when you make the NLCS and you essentially, if you include Tatis, add two superstar shortstops to your team and don't really lose too much other than Propar, pretty much. I mean, that's the only piece that I'm going to sure. make, I guess. Yeah, you, you got to make the World Series or you didn't do as well as you did the year before. But if they make the World Series, I mean, but listen to me. I'm a Padres fan saying if they don't make the World Series, I'll be bummed. I know. So... My whole thing has always been get to the dance. Anything can happen. We saw that three months ago. You lived it. I lived it. We watched the October baseball. Yep. We watched the Padres. So the Phillies made the freaking World Series. The Padres were better <laughs> yeah. than the Phillies, you know? Yeah. So anything can happen. And I, I want, I would absolutely love a 100 win team. I think that'd be the coolest thing ever. I expect 95 plus. I think if you don't get to 95 wins, you look at the end of the year and go, what went wrong? Yeah. And, if you get bounced in the first round because of a couple flukes, S happens. You know, I'm not going to say that, wow, we need to tear down and start over. But you got to win 95 plus. And I think they should. I don't see how they don't, to be honest. So that's where I'm at. And I'm really trying to look at it. when Before the season starts, it's so easy to have these numbers in your head. And you want guys to reach this home run total and the team to win this win total. But then you get into the day-to-day -day of the season. And I mean, I just care about this at bat and this pitch and this game. You know, I if the Padres win one nothing because of three errors that they score and win the only game, that's a win. And if they lose ten to eight, that's a loss. So that's really all I care about. And at the end of the day, when it's mid September and they're looking down the barrel at ninety eight wins, excellent. That's what I'm hoping to be at. But once the season gets going, it's so day to day as a fan, as you know, that I'm just trying to enjoy. Wow, I get to wake up tonight at 6.40 p.m. and watch some version of Tatis, Soto, Xander, and Manny hitting back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back, and we should win this game. Uh, it's a great outlook, and I think our outlook as fans and my 
expectation and, and everything else has obviously changed drastically over the last couple of years, as it should, because the team is is loaded with talent and ability. I don't think the absolute best way to go about looking at something is, let's say, for example, a Steinbrenner approach where it's like, we didn't win the World Series. Failure. That's not true. I, in no way is that the only way you should look at something. However, I think that, that having an expectation and planning for that is not wrong either. And I think it, it entirely depends on the way that it unfolds, like you mentioned, where if we come out of this year, you know, yeah, we get to the postseason and maybe we lose in the first or second round, but we only won 92 games and we lose a couple home playoff games and things like that unfold. I would sit back and say, you know, I, you know, I just don't feel like we gave it everything. And I feel like that type of disappointment or outlook at the end of a season is a lot worse than we win 97, 98, 100 games. We get to the NLCS. We get to the World Series, and we just we get bested by somebody. That's a situation where I, I kind of similar to how I felt this past offs or this past uh, postseason with the Phillies. I just I think the only thing that might have been different is you know, I felt like we could have beat the Phillies, and and a lot of things didn't end up going our way. But I also had a, some of that feeling, and, and I, I was a lot more passionate about it right after the season ended. And, and I also realized, you know, these guys aren't trying to not win the World Series. They're not trying to lose, you know. But I do get frustrated when we go up four, four to nothing in the first inning against the Phillies. And I'm not, this is not, you know, a dig on a guy like Mike Clevenger, but comes out and just as a baseball person, as a pitcher, and, and as a really deep understanding of the game, seeing some guys come out and what I felt like not entirely locked in or competitive, that's a little bit frustrating for me when I see things like that. However, like I said, I don't think Mike Clevenger was trying to throw balls over the plate or trying to give up home runs or, or Shamanaya was trying to pitch poorly. Of course not. These guys are giving it everything they have. But when I see everybody else basically give everything they have. I mean, Robert Suarez threw a ball 99 miles an hour on the corner and Bryce Harper bested him. And that's a situation where, you know, I said, tip your cap. There's nothing you can do. And I also said, and I, I, I don't know, I probably stand by this, but I felt like no matter what the Astros were the best team in baseball this entire year. And they were probably going to beat us and, or the Phillies if whoever it was in the world series. And they did. So I thought this year was the Astros year. I think this upcoming season, there are three or four teams where, again, it's like these are the legitimate contenders, and I think it's incredibly exciting that the Padres are one of those teams, and I do think the expectation should be, you know, if we come out of this year and we lose in the wild card round or we lose in the NLDS, I would say that's a disappointment, and I think that's crazy to say as a Padres fan, right, because that was before it was like, who knows, right? We might squeak in and make a run, you know, but that's, that's how I think it should be approached. And then, of course, if things change after this year and we lose a couple guys, so be it. So I'm hoping for a, a, a Padres World Series appearance. I had uh, earlier this week Peter uh, Apple. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he runs uh, Just Baseball Media. It's similar, kind of similar to the John Boy, but Peter's a, a Yankees fan as well. Kind of similar to John Boy, has the, the bias there. Keeps it unbiased for the most part. But I said to him, you know, I'd love to see Padres-Yankees 
World Series and get some revenge for 1998. Because I think, first of all, I think that would keep the I would keep MLB happy because they they get their Yankees in the World Series, they get their East Coast team, but also showcases a team like the Padres. Uh, and so I think a Padres Yankees World Series would be would be awesome. You get your Soto at Yankee Stadium, you get your Aaron Judge at Petco Park, right? All that kind of stuff would be awesome. So I'm hoping for that. I don't know about my predictions. And before we get into, which uh, was one of my questions here in the uh, later parts of this and won't keep you on too much longer, was going to be predictions. But the last thing I'll say going into this season and maybe some reactionary stuff from last year. As a diehard Padres fan, you probably felt most of the same emotions that I did immediately after the trade deadline, acquiring endless levels of incredible talent and then following that with some unfortunate news and some stuff that was unexpected but Fernando Tatis Jr. getting suspended one of my pieces of content on YouTube that performed the best uh, of mine was a instant reaction video 15 minute unedited rant that I had about Fernando Tatis I also had the following week I had Woods from uh, Ben and Woods on the show to get his feel of you know what the local media is saying about it, how the fans are feeling about it and things of that nature. And a lot of the stuff that crossed my mind when the news officially came down was, and I'll be the first one to admit it. First thoughts. How do we get rid of this guy? I don't want to deal with this stuff anymore. Uh, this guy doesn't care. He's selfish. All these different things, right? This is the stuff that pops into my head. I obviously was able to take a step back, take a deep breath, realize that most of that probably isn't true. Of course, I would never say to just get rid of a top five player in, in the game when healthy, at least in my opinion. But that stuff crosses my, my mind initially. When that news broke for you as a diehard Padres fan and as a, I'm assuming, Fernando Tatis Jr. fan, as I was, what went through your head initially and having obviously four or five months have passed since then, knowing when he's going to come back and knowing the additions we've made and everything considered, what was the initial reaction versus what do you expect to happen this season with Fernando Tatis Jr.? The initial reaction was pure anger. I was so mad at him. I never, I don't think I went as far as wanting to trade him or anything like that, but I, I'll never forget where I was. And just the response was so, disappointing because remember there was this whole buildup of he's coming back and they just got Soto and this team's going to be unstoppable and had the news been man he re-injured his wrist he's out for the year I'd have been heartbroken I was so bummed because I was so excited to see him again and then when the news instead was oh he's a cheater I didn't even know where to go from there I was so I felt like I was lied to now six months later however long it's been I don't think Fernando Tatis Jr. is a bad person. I think Trevor Bauer and Roberto Ozuno and Errol Chapman, those are bad people. And what 100%. they did awful, awful things. I personally believe, and this might come back to bite me that I'm saying this, I personally believe Fernando Tatis Jr. is just dumb. I think he's stupid. And I think he made really dumb decisions. And riding the motorcycle is dumb. And using whatever cream he used is dumb. And coming out with some ringworm story is really, really dumb. It was all not well handled. It was really stupid. And I still feel that way. I'm still getting a little angry talking about it now. With that said, he's a generational superstar. 
you have them locked up for the next 12 years anyways. You're not going to just give them away. I think everyone knows that. When he's on the field, as you said, a top five player in the sport pretty easily. So you just got to find a way to keep him on the field. If he comes back, here's the other thing, man. Coming off of a missing a full season, three surgeries, two on the wrist, one on the shoulder, there is a very legit chance, steroids or otherwise, that the guy's just not going to be as good this season as he was before. I still think he's going to have a great career, but there's a good chance that 2023 will be the worst season of his career because that just makes sense. So when he comes back this year and hits, let's say, 260 with 21 homers and people are going, oh, my God, he needs the steroids. Look at him. He can't play without steroids. It's going to be another deep breath. Let's relax a little bit. He's going to be okay. The guy could go win the MVP this two year this year too, and I'd be like, "Yeah, it's Fernando Tatis Jr. Dude's a unicorn." Like I'm not right, right. The, the range of what he could do is immense. So where am I at with him as a fan now? I will never have that unrequited. I don't know if that's the right word, but I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, that love that I had for him when he was a rookie and doing matrix like dives to avoid tags and hitting homers and flipping bats and popping the chain. I was in love with this baseball player. Like I've never fallen in love with a baseball player before. And I, you wouldn't find a bigger Fernando Tatis Jr. fan. It's not going to happen. I'm wearing his shirt and his jerseys. I'm not going to have that level of love for him ever again. Ever again. Will he still be one of my favorite players when he's hitting 40 homers a year? Yep, better believe it. Anyone who hits 40 homers, assuming they're a decent human being, we mentioned the other guys before, I'm rooting for. All in. You wear Padres across the front, I'm rooting for you. But that, that like city behind you, face of the franchise, face of the league, face of the city, blonde dreads every year you go, I don't think you're going to get to that level again. And you lost that. Like, that's tough. So what can you do? You can just try and become as lovable as possible now. And the way you do that is zip it, play hard, smile, do your thing, do your dives, crazy slides, back out of the way of fastballs up and in, hit homers, stay out of the limelight for stupid comments, stupid things, and just play baseball. Just do your thing. And I guarantee you, no matter how Padres fans feel about him, and I think you and I are both on the more loving side than some, even the ones who hate him the most right now, if he goes out and hits 37 homers this year, they're rooting for Fernando Tatis Jr., I promise. So it is, I've never felt the way I currently do about any player before. It's really weird to go from absolutely loving someone to not loving him as much, even though he's still on your team. But at the end of the day, it's production, and I want the Padres to win, and he's a key cog of the Padres. And if he's helping the Padres win, I'll be right there rooting for him. I think everything you said resonates with a lot of people because, like I mentioned before when I had uh, Woods on the show, was getting his initial reaction. One of the first things you talk about is, what's next? What do you do from this point on? And it's also a fine line to tiptoe because you sit there and say one of the things that comes up and that the answer to that question is just keep your mouth shut, just go out and play. And I don't mean that, and I don't think anybody, even including you, means like, oh, uh, shut up and dribble, that type of no, stuff. No, 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 no. Right, and it's not that at all. But when you are a, a person like Fernando Tatis Jr. and have made the decisions that he's made and, and the things have happened, you start to lose the privilege of being able to just kind of be you know unhinged and be loud and all those different things you can still do it but it's not going to resonate the same way it did before you made all these mistakes and so I think 
as a fan base, of course we're going to root for him. Of course we're going to give nothing but support. And I also don't think Fernando is, of course, what those other guys are that you mentioned, but also even, let's say, steroid users or things like that. I don't think he's a, a juicer, right? I don't think he's a juice head, cheating, stupid. You know, I don't think any of that. I think you mentioned, you know, it's probably a synonym for it. You might have mentioned stupid or whatever you said. He was just incredibly, and I, maybe that's changed, incredibly immature. And on top of it, he had a support system around him that was, if we're being as honest as we can, incredibly enabling to that behavior. And at some point, you also have to take a step back and go, how could he not be making mistakes? And how could his support system not be enabling when he was handed not just the keys to the organization, he was handed the keys to the sport in some aspects. The cover of MLB The Show, the face of every single highlight they put out. And people are getting frustrated by it, right? Whenever it's first happened, oh, another Tatis highlight. Oh, what is this guy? It's like, well, first of all, he's electric, so keep your mouth shut. This guy's the man. So, like, and we're the Padres, and we want to see our guy up there, right? It's awesome. But also, he was immature, and he didn't necessarily know how to handle it. So I think it's different than a guy in his 12th year in the big leagues getting popped for HGH or something like that, where I honestly think, Mm -hmm. I think he was entirely embarrassed about the initial situation of breaking his wrist in the first place and disappointing so many different people. And from what I understand about the Klosta ball and the cream and everything else is it, it, it's a, you know, a, it hides, I guess, or heals injuries quicker, or, or at least uh, like surface level injuries and things like that. I think he just wanted to come back a little bit quicker. And I think, again, he was immature enough or he was so immature. Almost honestly, I, I'm not like defending him or saying it's not his fault. It's 100% his fault and, and there's nobody else to blame. But, you know, if the support system around him or even in his own head, he would have taken a step back and said, well, hold on, like this is, let me get this checked or let me do this. And then, I think when I mentioned the part about getting rid of him was when it came out that, so yeah, he crashed his motorcycle. He broke his wrist, didn't tell any about it or, you know, didn't get it handled initially in the off season. Then he has to get surgery. Then he misses all this time. Then he gets popped for steroids. Now I'm like, that's almost strike one, two, and three. And then it's apparently to treat ringworm. That for me was where I was like, you know what, man, this guy's been getting nothing but the benefit of the doubt. And now he is just straight up lying to all of our faces and he, and he doesn't seem to care too much about it. That's where I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to deal with this because it's so much money for a guy that has done nothing but disappoint us when, when it's not the three hours of baseball time every night, everything else he's done has been disappointing. And again, have not been able to take, take a step back, look at it objectively and realize he's not a terrible human being. He's made some innocent mistakes. He's made some deliberate mistakes. But at the end of the day, you and I, the Ryans, the Padres Ryans, and also Padres fans in general, we will support him. Like you said, am I going to buy his jersey now? Probably not. Are there going to be Fernando Tatis Jr. dreadlocks around the stadium? Uh, You know, the wigs for little kids? Probably not. But that's, that's, I think, for the best. Not just because he's lost that privilege, but because he might not even be a top three player on his own team, all things considered, considering contribution. He may not be, which is crazy to say. So I think everything 
moving forward will be determining kind of how people feel about him, right? The way he handles himself and everything else. So that will cover all things Padres considered. The rest of the show will keep you not much longer, I promise. 2023 predictions for uh, award, awards and World Series matchup. And if you can try to go non-Padres, let's go NL MVP, American League MVP, Cy Youngs in both leagues, and a World Series matchup, let's say, that you you know think could legitimately happen but doesn't include the Padres and also maybe one that you, you know, you'd like to see, like something that's good teams, it's not Padres, and of course not the Dodgers. Okay. Um, I haven't necessarily thought about this all too much, so I, this is just raw reaction. Yeah. I genuinely do believe that Juan Soto is winning the National League MVP this year. I've been saying that okay. for a while. No, that's so fine. I'll pick someone else for the sake of not just picking a Padre, but I think, I think Juan Soto is my pick. Uh, let's see. Who do I think is going to win the NL MVP? Well, I think Otani in the AL. I know that's such an easy thing to say, but that dude is just – I've never seen anything like easy him. Easy pick. No yep, good pick. Easy pick. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, good pick. Good pick. It's yeah, not, it's no, not know, easy. But... It's the right pick. I mean, yeah. if you pick anybody else, it's, it's like, okay, we'll see, right? I really like Christian Javier. I really like Christian Javier um, of the Astros for AL Cy Young. Bit of a dark horse, but I feel like I've also seen some tweets recently of people saying that, so I don't think I'm completely out of nowhere saying that. Um, let's see, NL MVP. Not Arnado, because he's the most overrated player in the league. Uh, let's see, who is going to win the NL MVP? Subtle I'm shot. Team by team in my head. Subtle shot Maybe there. Maybe a brave. Maybe a brave. Who's a brave tonight? Austin Riley? No, that's a stretch. Uh, Acuna. Acuna comes back and has a huge year. That's my pick if it's not Juan Soto. Ronald Acuna. Uh, there you go. And then NL Cy Young. I love Sandy so much. It's hard to pick against Sandy. Uh, I will go with Zach Gallen. How about that? Go sure. D-backs. Sure. Zach Gallen has a massive year. Uh, and manager of the year and rookie of the year, I don't care because those are always random anyways. Did you give AL Cy Young? AL Cy Young? Yeah, Christian Javier. Christian oh, Javier. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. Dark horse pick. Yeah. And then World Series matchup yeah. of a non-Padres, non-Dodgers, but also legitimately could happen. Really, really hard to pick against the Astros. I don't necessarily like the Astros, but, I mean, they've been to the ALCS, what, six years in a row now, dating back to 2017, I think? Uh, something so like that, yeah. Hard to pick. Yeah, hard to pick against them. Um, so I'll pick the Astros in the World Series. And then... If it's not the Padres, uh, let's – if Acuna is an MVP-level player, which I'm already saying he is, the Braves get back there. So Braves after rematch, rematch of 2021. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think uh, that's funny. Peter, who I had on the show earlier this week, said the exact same thing. And wow. then his bias, his bias opinion as a Yankees fan, he said he'd love to see a Subway series, which I think legitimately could also happen if it's non-Padres. I think that would be really entertaining. It would be kind of annoying with the East Coast bias and all that crap that we've dealt with as Padres fans our whole life, but it'd be entertaining nevertheless. Uh, last part here, and this is more of a speed round. You can you can explain your reasoning if you want, but you don't have to. Okay. Speed round, just first names that come to your head, all right? Favorite Padres player ever? David Eckstein. Okay. Easy. Favorite David Eckstein. Favorite active Padre on the team right now. It's like a twenty-six way tie, but I'll say Blake Snell. <laughs> okay. Favorite 
favorite non-Padre baseball player ever? Shohei is climbing the ranks because I just love watching that dude play. Uh, all-time great, I like Willie Mays because Cameron Mabin wore number 24 because of Willie Mays, so I always loved Willie Mays growing up, even though I obviously never watched him play. Yeah. Uh, Mike Trout was up there when I was 10 to 16 years old. I loved watching Mike Trout. But right now, oh, man. That's Well, hold on. Favorite non-Padre ever. Ever. This is ever, ever because ever. then also okay. I was going to say favorite non-Padre currently playing. Okay, so non currently playing, I'll say Shohei. Ever, how about, man, this one's killing me. Who did I love growing up? Oh, you know who I loved was um, Michael Bourne. That guy could absolutely oh, yeah. fly. Oh, yeah. I loved, like, fast. Great leadoff hitter. Great leadoff yeah. hitter. Yeah, so, great defender. Yeah. Random pick. I don't know no, if that's I not thought of Michael Bourne. All-star a couple times. Yeah. That's a great pick. No, that's a Michael good... Bourne was one of my dudes when I was a little guy. So. Yeah. No, Michael you Bourne. went the you went the you went like a different route. Obviously, like most people, uh Griffey or whatever, yeah, you yeah. know, but it's like, no, Michael Bourne is a very respectable big leaguer. He definitely uh and also I think that's a good pick as a there was never any uh conflict between him and the Padres. It was never like he was a Dodger or a Giant or anything. He was just played his butt off and then uh, you know. Funny you mentioned that because Juan Pierre came to mind too, but Juan Pierre was a Dodger for a while. He was. So I couldn't say it. He was yeah. a Dodger. Um, and then last two, speed round plus trivia at the end, least favorite player of all time and least favorite active player. Okay, so I'm just going to do this off baseball alone, like nothing to do with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it could be um, also like, you know, for me, not to steal, but like I – I don't know Justin Turner personally as a person. Yeah. I, he may be yeah. a great person. And I, I from what yeah. I've heard, he is. I hate him. Yeah. I absolutely right. hate him because he's a Dodger, because he's pro- had a lot of success against the Padres. And I just, I don't love the way he plays the game. Whatever. That's neither here nor there. But stuff like that, right? Where obviously this goes without saying where you can say somebody and not be attacking them as a, <laughs> as a person yeah. or their character. That's so right now, my guy in the league that I absolutely cannot stand, and he's probably a very decent human, is Nolan Arenado. I just think okay. he's so overrated. I'll take Manny every day. I think his defense is overrated. I don't like Nolan Arnato. I actively root for him to strike out in every at-bat, and I hope he makes <laughs> an error every time the ball is hit to him. I don't like that guy. All time, let's see. It's got to be a Dodger, most likely. Um, I mean, I really, really hated Matt Kemp until he was a Padre, and then yeah. I didn't really like him that much after either. But you know who else I hated? And like, this another comment might get me in trouble. Really, really hated Manny Machado until he was a Padre. Did one hundred percent. No, one hundred percent. Oh my God! When he was a Dodger, I couldn't stand him. Oh yeah. So probably a Dodger. Let's see who was a Dodger that I didn't like. Uh, thinking like two thousand twelve Dodgers. Yeah. Casey Blake was a third baseman. Oh yeah, I know. I, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Whatever reason have a memory of him hitting a homer off the Padres that was obviously inconsequential because none of those teams were any good, but I had a strong dislike for Casey Blake for a long time. So that is my first reaction for whatever reason. Oh, that's a good pick. I, uh, yeah, no, I remember, and I'm sure it's funny because we could say you could have picked Casey Blake or you could have picked uh, anybody. And it's like, if they were a Dodger or even a giant at some capacity, more than likely, we probably hated them because they probably killed the Padres. That's probably most of the reason. No. And it's like, like another guy where it's like, I, I 
for the longest time, I hated, I just hated him, was Kershaw. And I got to a point like three or four years ago where I was like, you know what? Like, first of all, it's just tired to hate a guy who just kills your team. Also, he's a top, you know, depending on your argument, top 10 pitcher of all time, all things considered. So it's like, you can't just hate that guy. You just can't. And also, I've heard he's nothing but an incredible human being. So it's like, it's hard. Uh, But, you know, at the same time, it's like, I hated him for the longest time. And I'm like, you know, that's probably rooted in the fact that his career ERA against the Padres is sub two. So that's probably (laughs) the reason, right? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, listen, it's, you don't, you know, no justification. And, and again, we, we probably think all these guys are great. Um, so last piece here, Padres specific and trivia. So the last time the Padres played in the NLDS before 2022, last time they played in the division series, was 2006. I'm looking at the opening day lineup for the 2006 San Diego Padres. I know you're four years younger than me, so this may be a little bit harder for you, but in 06, I was nine years old, and I don't know if I could have given you, and you don't need to give like one through nine batting order, but just if you could get five of these names, you let's say you win. Five okay. of the nine in the opening day starting lineup for the Padres. Okay, so opening day 2006, I was five years old. I became like a big Padres fan around 2007, but I think I can get, okay, so 06. Klesko and Nevin. So I think these guys were those guys were bef- even before That's this. Four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So is Adrian in 06 or is he later? Yep. He plays first. Adrian yep. 06. Giles. Brian Giles is in right. Yep. Is Marcus on the team yet? No. Nope. Is that too nope. early? No. Nope. Okay. Um, let's see. 2006. Mike Cameron, or is that later? That might be 06. He was, I think he was before that too. He's not on this oh, opening day. He on, was, he's he's not on this opening day team. Man, okay, I should definitely do better than this. Come on now. Uh, Barfield? Yep, Josh team? Barfield. Yep. Okay. Uh, Josh Bard? Uh, no, he's, it's a good guess. I think he was on this he roster, but he didn't start on opening day. And the, uh, I won't give any catcher hints away, but it's okay. crazy who's playing catcher. Well, PV, PV probably started opening day. Yep, right? PV. So you've With got, PV? yeah, okay. so you've got PV, That's Barfield, PV. Adrian Gonzalez, and Brian Giles. That's that's I mean that's not bad already. A four so far. Oh yeah, Kuzminov at third. No, not Kuzminov. Okay. Cra- also just crazy third baseman. But anyways. Okay. Uh, who would have been playing short on that team? I have not a clue. Yeah, you definitely know uh, the name. He's a he's a cult, a folklore cult legend in Padres shortstop history. Okie dokie. Who the heck was that? Uh. Man, if you gave me like the 2010 team, I'd be on it. Oh yeah, like 100. The 2006. So just as the last wow. NLDS appearance, that's why I figured. I know, it. no, no, no. Yeah. Of course, of course. I I think this is fun. I like this. I'm struggling with it, but uh, I can give out a couple of hints that would lean yeah, you in the right direction. No, so, I need to get five. I need to get five. Hold on, let me think. One okay, more second. okay. So you've got Barfield at second base, PV yeah. starting, yeah. Andrew Gonzalez playing first base. And Brian Giles is in right field. Oh, is Piazza catching on the 06 Mike Piazza day? was catching on opening okay. day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I didn't know that was opening day, but cool. Wow. I forgot that he was in Padre in 06. All right. Cool. Who else? Khalil Green. Khalil Green. Khalil Green at shortstop. Oh, yep. sorry. That was stupid. That was like my first ever yep. favorite player. Yeah. Should have gotten Khalil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. So that's six. That's six. That's not bad. That's not bad. And these other three, if I had even guessed, I the third baseman is bananas like crazy the other two aren't aren't, excuse okay so 
the third baseman, apparently on opening day for the Padres, uh, had a very, very respectable uh, career, like long, very successful. But, and I think it was the majority of his career and where he's definitely known as the best. And anytime you say his name, you picture him with a jersey on of another team in the division. And it's not the Dodgers and it's not the Giants. And again, this is a tough one. This, I mean, I would have never in a million years guessed this. Uh, I don't think I have it. I don't know. It, Who is it? Vinny Castilla from the Rockets. Yeah, I had no, idea. no, I would have never. I know. I mean, I know who he is, right? But I would have never, ever, ever, ever picked that up. The last two, I'll give you the left fielder on opening day was Eric Young, pretty respectable big leaguer. And oh, then, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. thought you said Eric Burns. I was like, no, no, Eric Young. Eric Young, yeah, and his Eric kids Young. played for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, EY and EY Jr. And then the center fielder is, we'll talk about, I guess we asked the question about players that we don't like. Uh, this guy never had a problem with him until he decided to get into the coaching game and become the biggest oh, traitor. Doc. Doc, Doc, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, uh, so he played man, center for the Padres uh, that year. Dave Roberts, I, I gotta be honest with you. This you like you like him? Bite me. Dave Roberts was my little league coach. He was, was my he? little league coach. He is. I okay. Here's the way I put it. Dodgers across the front cannot stand a guy. I root right. for him to lose every single game. Right, right, but right. Off the field, such a good human such a good person no so, i've and that's the thing is I i've heard that I, i've heard yeah, that stuff yeah. too it's the same thing as kershaw or justin turner it's like yeah. i know justin yeah. turner has like a, a foundation and he raises so much money for so many good causes but it's like i you know take all that out of the equation put him in a dodgers uniform in the batter's box and i hope that he doesn't just strike out i hope he swings and misses and falls over and his pants fall yeah, down. i mean yeah, literally like i you know like so so yeah that's the way i feel with dave roberts and uh and also, you know, people call him. I, I, I used to be like, oh, he's a traitor, and he's a San Diego guy through and through, and all of a sudden now he's getting in fights with Andy Green at Petco Park <laughs> and all this stuff. But it's like, dude, that's, you know, he he's works for the Dodgers, and he's representing them, and he's going to defend his guys. So, no, I think I think more than anything, you know, he, he's honestly done almost as much damage to, not damage in, like, a bad way, but just the stuff about, like, before this last season, he's like, we're going to win the World Series or, like, yeah. you know, all this stuff where I'm just like, you know, that's, I mean, when I hear that, you know, it, it bugs me, but I'm like, you know what? That's his thing. Like, if he wants to do that and it doesn't end up working out, he did it to himself. So, uh, at, at the end of the day, Khalil, Khalil is the one. I yeah, no, it's all I'm right. It's, it's all good. I should have had that one. Yeah. I mean, no, I did get there, but I should have had that from the start. That was my dude. Yeah. No. And the other good, the other guesses were great. Klesko, Phil Nevin, um, you know, all the Barfield or Josh Bard, great guesses all the way around. Um, but, at the end of the day, Padres are looking up 2023. It's going to be one of the best years potentially in the history of, of the organization. And I was very uh, glad that you'd able to, you were able to come on today as a super fan, as somebody who can relate to what I've dealt with, what a lot of Padres fans have dealt with, and also bring exposure to what the Padres are going to be, which is hopefully nothing but success in the future with great ownership, great GM, Great leaders and guys like Manny Machado, who you mentioned, opt out. But we'll probably. I'm hoping we bring him back. Let's just say I don't know the finances, and you know this guy does. I mean, he deserves the compensation that these other guys are getting, which is just bananas. So, either way, Ryan Cohen, really appreciate you coming on today, taking the time 
probably way too much time, but the time today uh, to sit down and talk Padres baseball, talk baseball in general. And, um, you know, I'm glad to, to be able to get you on and different perspective, but one that uh, I think we both share. So thanks for taking the time today, man. Seriously, I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I love talking Padres more than anything. Yeah, so man. This is always a joy. Yeah, so if you, uh, those of you listening again, check him out on Twitter, at RyanCohen24. Is there anything else, I mean, besides uh, Camp Kesem and, and other stuff that you'd like to, to plug? I mean, I know even then you're not like, oh, follow me on Twitter, you know, but uh, but yeah. Just, just root for the team. Be passionate. Love the team. Fan how you want to fan, and let's have a blast this year. Yeah, and anybody who's not a Padres fan, I mean, I guess uh, National League will see you in the NLCS, and American League will see you in the World Series. So, um, yeah. Anyways, Ryan, thanks again for the time, and um, we'll talk to you, I'm sure. And if not in the near future, uh, we'll see each other on social media and come across. And maybe again, halfway through the year, we'll have you back on or something like that. So uh, either way, man, we'll talk to you later. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, man. Cool, man. We'll talk to you later. See ya. That was Ryan Cohen. Had a great conversation with him. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. It was uh, really entertaining for me. Provided a lot of insight about, you know, as a super fan, every team kind of has those types of fans. Every team has a big fan or somebody who's really into it. but. Ryan Cohen is a little bit unique in that he kind of represents a lot of different people and the Padres fan base as a whole. And he's dealt with the struggles of the team as have I. And I I knew that we'd be able to resonate on a few different levels. And hopefully you guys got a lot out of that and understand also that he's found himself in a, in a very beneficial situation or, you know, just a, a good situation and has, has gained some traction and following on social media and he's used it in the right way and done a lot of great things. So Hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 28 of Between the Stitches, baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. And otherwise, I will talk to you guys on episode 29 of Between the Stitches. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Between the Stitches. Follow Phenomenal Fan Media on social media for more. And subscribe on Patreon for exclusive content.